0: Welcome to the African History Network show. Uh, we're broadcasting right here on 910 AM Superstation The Future Radio and on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network, and our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep. It's Thursday, November 18th, 2021, and we are live. So, on yesterday's show, we talked about the uh, breaking news story dealing with the uh, new evidence in the assassination of Malcolm X and um, the Manhattan District Attorney's Office under uh, District Attorney uh, Cy Vance, uh, reopened uh, the case based upon um, evidence that was revealed in the documentary that came out in 2020 called Who Killed Malcolm X? And we got the news uh, on yesterday that um, two men who had been convicted in the assassination of Malcolm X uh, would be uh, exonerated. Okay. Uh, Muhammad, uh, a Aziz, uh, who used to be known as Norman three X Butler and Khalil Islam, who used to be known as Thomas 15 X Johnson. Well, that took place. Uh, the exoneration took place today, uh, in the New York city courtroom, uh, 55 years uh, after these two men were found guilty of assassinating Malcolm X. Okay. We're going to talk about that today and let you hear a little bit about what happened. And then also uh, what's been revealed is that uh, J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI withheld information, withheld information uh, that would have exonerated uh, these two men. Okay, so uh, this is some information that's come out uh, yesterday and today. And then also we know uh, that there's a, a good article from. HuffingtonPost.com that deals with this as well. And this was a headline uh, from Huffington Post today, Revealed 55 Years Later, J. Edgar Hoover Buried Key Malcolm X Info. Revealed 55 Years Later, uh, J. Edgar Hoover uh, Buried Key uh, Malcolm X Info. And this is dealing with the uh, COINTELPRO Account counterintelligence Program under uh, J. Edgar Hoover. Okay, so we'll talk about uh, what happened today. Uh, two uh, men convicted of killing Malcolm X have been exonerated. J. Edgar Hoover withheld evidence. Uh, now, also today was day 10 in the Michael Bryan murder trial for the uh, murder of Ahmad Arbery. And Travis McMichael was on the witness stand for a second day. And just as I had predicted yesterday, and you go back and watch yesterday's show and we'll be rebroadcasting the show on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network and our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotel. Just as I predicted yesterday, prosecution would uh, pick apart uh, Travis McMichael's testimony today. They started doing it toward the end of yesterday. They annihilated him today on the witness stand. Uh, The defense rested today also uh the the jury is off uh on Friday, November nineteenth. We could hear closing uh statements on uh Monday. Okay, this coming Monday. We'll give you an update on what took place uh in court today. Travis McMichael uh said uh today that Ahmad Arbery never verbally threatened him or pulled a weapon. Travis McMichael said today that Ahmad Arbery never verbally threatened him or pulled a weapon. And see, this is what I was saying on yesterday's show. Now, Travis McMichael testified uh, yesterday about all this training that he had uh, in the uh, Coast Guard and, and police training and things like this. And he talked about he had hand-to-hand combat training. And he was the one with the shotgun. He was the one... Uh, in the truck chasing Ahmad Auberry, but uh, for some reason it was Travis McMichael who feared for his life, not Ahmad Auberry. You're the one doing the chasing. And this is and this is what I said. Okay, he said he raised his gun to de escalate the situation. Okay, well you Ahmad Aubrey is unarmed. You're the one that's armed. If you want to de-escalate if you if you are the aggressor and you were chasing him and he's constantly that running away from you from the
1: defense and the Ahmaud if you are chasing case, him and he's running away resting from you it's case okay. Hold in the on, trial just of a second. three georgia men in the shoot of the um, mod the prosecution had already pulled something out here. outside the courtroom of if you uh, supporters
0: of arbury if you were chasing him he's constantly running away from you why don't you just go in the other direction and leave him alone that would deescalate the situation okay so uh we'll discuss that And then uh, Julius Jones, Julius Jones life was spared today by Republican Governor Kevin Stitt in Oklahoma. He was removed off a death row, but uh, he has no possibility of parole. We're going to talk about this. I posted about this uh, on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network, the African History Network, and my YouTube channel, Michael Mhotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. Well, I posted about it on our Facebook fan page. This is ridiculous. Uh he should be allowed to apply for parole as well. So we'll talk about this as well. Um you listen to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation, Future Radio. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Kwanzaa is coming and the com has all of your Kwanzaa needs. Order your Kwanzaa set today, which includes a Kanara, candles, a mat, a cup, the African-American flag, and a basket. Visit thekwanzashop.com, thekwanzashop.com. They have Kanara sets, which include a candle holder, candles, a mat, and a cup. Kwanzaa is December 26th through January the 1st. Add the early bird discount code for 10% off your order placed before November 28th. Visit the and place your order today. The has all of your Kwanzaa needs to celebrate this African American Pan-African holiday. The Black on Purpose Television Network. Yes,
2: Black on Purpose Television Network. All black all positive all the time. The largest black owned streaming television network in the world. Bringing our people together worldwide. Controlling our messages, our stories, our way. Black TV the way it should be. Black music, black history, and more. 30 plus channels thousands of shows black on purpose television network subscribe now black on purpose television network yes black on purpose television network all black all positive all the time the largest black on streaming television network in the world bringing our people together worldwide controlling our messages our stories our way. Black TV the way it should be. Black music, black history, and more. 30 plus channels, thousands of shows. Black on Purpose Television Network. Subscribe now.
0: Network show we do with current events of history and politics education economic department entrepreneurship relationships love sex health issues and much much more unfortunately many people confuse what racism means racism is a power structure it was laws and policies that put us in this predicament it's going to be laws and policies that take it out so when you control the radius of a man or woman's thoughts you can control the compass of his or her actions because
3: the mind can't do a what it doesn't know we have it all on nine ten a.m superstation
0: Welcome back to the African History Network Show right here on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Thursday, November 18th, 2021. Uh, and we are live calling numbers 313 778 7600 313 778 7600 Here's the calling number if you have a question or comment. Okay, so right before the break, we were talking about uh, we talked about this on on our Wednesday show. Uh the New development in the uh, assassination of uh, of Malcolm X and two men convicted in his assassination uh, have been exonerated. We're gonna go to clip one, Chiquita, in just a second here from NBC Nightly News. Okay, Uh, and this took place today in a uh, New York City courtroom. Now, one of the things that was revealed and um, on tomorrow's show, I'm going to play a clip from the Rachel Maddow show. Rachel Maddow did a really good job uh, covering this story on Wednesday. Roland Martin did an excellent job uh, uh, yesterday as well. Um, And we we talked a little bit about that from uh, Roland's show yesterday. Roland had uh, Abdurrahman Muhammad uh, on on Roland Martin and filtered on Wednesday, who was the a man who did the documentary, Who Killed Malcolm X, that really exposed what was taking place and um the cover up uh behind Malcolm's assassination. Okay, and there were, other, there were other scholars, et cetera, but this is what this is what really caused the case to be reopened. All right. So uh in, uh New York Times has some good updates here. And I want to look quickly here, and then we're going to go to this. Uh, we're going to go to this clip here uh, from NBC Nightly News. Then, with what took place today in court, um, but they have one good article. Exonerated is bitter. Exoneration is bittersweet for men cleared in Malcolm X's murder. But if we look here at the uh, updates from uh, the New York Times. Uh, Two men are exonerated in Malcolm X killing after quote unquote travesty of justice after quote unquote travesty of justice. Now, uh, Muhammad Aziz, who used to be known as Norman three X Butler. He said that he does not need. uh, He said, quote, I do not need this court. These prosecutors or a piece of paper to tell me I'm innocent. End quote. uh, Muhammad Aziz, uh, who spent two decades in prison, said, Okay. Now, um, He was paroled uh, around 2009. Now I wanna go to, let's see, let's look at this here. Um, Okay, highlights from the motion asking that the conviction be tossed. Okay, and this is Cyrus Vance, Cyrus R. Vance, Manhattan Manhattan District Attorney. A motion filed uh, by the Manhattan District Attorney Asking a judge to toss out the convictions of Muhammad a. Aziz and Khalil Islam. Now, Khalil Islam uh, has passed away, um, and Khalil Islam was known as Thomas Fifteen X Johnson. Now, uh, in the murder of Malcolm X, concludes that crucial evidence concludes that crucial evidence was withheld during the men's trial. The 43-page motion, uh, which was granted at a hearing on Thursday, November 18th, describing in detail investigation conducted by the district attorney, Cyrus R. Vance Jr., and the men's lawyers. It concludes that if the evidence withheld by the FBI and the New York Police Department had been given uh, to the defense, the trial would likely have gone differently okay if the if evidence withheld by the FBI and the New York Police Department had been given to the defense ha- had been given to the defense, the trial would likely have gone differently okay and this is something that came out in um, in the documentary. And I saw the documentary, uh, like I said yesterday, I saw it when it um, came out on Netflix. I watched it two or three times last year. I'm going to go back and watch it again. We'll talk about this on our Sunday show. Also, we'll talk about uh, The Harder They Fall, the African-American Western that's on Netflix now, The Harder They Fall. We'll discuss that as well. Um, Quote, these defendants did not receive a fair trial, the motion says. And we respectfully, uh, submit that their conviction should be vacated and the indictment against them be dismissed and the indictment against them be dismissed. Okay. Now a new witness, the motion includes a host of new findings. It mentions an interview with a new witness, uh, known as, uh, described as JM, the, the letters JM. Conducted only days after the reinvestigation began. JM said he was answering the telephone at the Nation of Islam's Harlem Mosque the day of the assassination and that his account backed up the alibi of uh, Muhammad Aziz, uh, formerly known as Norman 3X Butler. Quote JM recalled receiving a phone call from Muhammad Aziz. At around 3 p.m. on February 21st, 1965, the day Malcolm X was assassinated, informing him that Muhammad Aziz had just heard Malcolm X had been shot. End quote, the motion says. J.M. then then hung up and went to the mosque's captain, and together the two men called Mr. Aziz back at his home. The two men called Mr. Aziz back at his home. Quote, J.M., reached Aziz at home and told him the captain wanted to speak to him, end quote. The motion says a simple sentence that lends credence to Muhammad Aziz's story that he was at home at 3 p.m. when Malcolm X was assassinated. Now, a trove of documents from law enforcement. The motion details more than a dozen Reports compiled by the FBI and the NYPD, New York Police Department, that were not disclosed to the defense, that were not disclosed to the defense. Several of which point toward the man's innocence. So as what's been coming out in opening up this case and what we talked about on yesterday's show, Rachel Maddow talked about it on the Rachel Maddow show on Wednesday. Uh, November 17th, Roland Martin dealt with this on Roland Martin Unfiltered on Wednesday also. I'll be back on Roland Martin Unfiltered on Friday. I'm a panelist each Friday on Roland Martin Unfiltered as uh, the New York Times is reporting, as this piece here from Huffington Post is reporting. The FBI and the NYPD withheld information, okay? Revealed 55 years later, J. Edgar Hoover buried key Malcolm X info. So the, um, Hubington Post has a really good article and, uh, we'll talk about this, a uh, little bit today and, and probably, uh, some more tomorrow and Sunday. Uh, name of the article from the Washington Post is, um, Hoover hid that some witnesses in Malcolm X assassination trial were FBI informants. Okay, we're gonna pull this up here and then uh, we're gonna go to clip one and squeeze that in before the break. Uh, Read this article here from Huffington Post. Hoover hid that some witnesses in Malcolm X assassination and Malcolm X assassination trial with FBI informants okay all right now um let's go to let's go to uh, let's go to clip 1 Shakita the court today the occurred
3: so this world and the result Process
4: was corrupt, the process a corrupt court, one that was false and to black people in 2021. While I do not leave this court, these prosecutors, or a piece of paper will tell me I'm innocent, I am very glad that my family, my friends, and the friends who have worked in supported me over these years are finally saying the
3: truth that we have all known. Officially recognized. I am an 83 year old man who was victimized by the criminal justice I do not know how many more years of previous activity I have had. However, I hope the same system that was responsible for this privacy of justice also takes responsibility for the made for harm arms to me in the last 55 or 56 years. Thank you all.
4: There can be no question that this is a case that cries out for fundamental justice. This court's paramount purpose is, and always has to uphold the law and pursue justice. To Mr. Aziz and her family, and to the family of Mr. Islam, I regret that this court cannot not fully undo the serious miscarriages of justice in this state, and it you back the many years that were lost. Dismissal of the indictment seems the full extent of this court's authority. But for the reasons set forth in the joint application, and based on the record that has been made today, this court's mandate requires that the judgments of conviction be vacated, and that the indictment against Mr. Ahib and Mr. Fitzwilliam, he The joint motion is
1: hereby
0: granted. And the record is. Okay, so that is a little bit of, about a uh, little excerpt of what happened in court today. Um, if we go back quickly here to this uh, piece from. Uh, The New York Times. Uh, New York Times has some really good updates on this. Okay, so they break down uh, uh, some of the new evidence as well. And some of the evidence that was withheld uh, 55 years ago during the uh, during the trial of of these men in 1966. The motion details more than a dozen reports compiled by the FBI and NYPD, New York uh, City Police Department that would not disclose to the defense, several of which point toward the man's innocence. The FBI reports contain the accounts of several witnesses who describe gunmen who do not resemble the two men, as well as details about agency informants, FBI informants who were present in the Washington Heights ballroom, the Audubon ballroom in, in, in um, the Washington Heights area of uh, New York. Where Malcolm X was assassinated. Okay, we'll deal with this on the other side of the break. Listen to the African History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Kwanzaa is coming, and the KwanzaaShop.com has all of your Kwanzaa needs. Order your Kwanzaa set today, which includes a Kanara, candles, a mat, a cup, the African American flag, and a basket. Visit thekwanzashop.com, thekwanzashop.com. They have Kanara sets, which include a candle holder, candles, a mat, and a cup. Kwanzaa is December 26th through January the 1st. Add the Early Bird discount code for 10% off your order, placed before November 28th. Visit the and place your order today. The has all of your Kwanzaa needs to celebrate this African American Pan African holiday. The Black on Purpose Television Network. Yes,
2: Black on Purpose Television Network. All black. All positive, all the time. The largest black-owned streaming television network in the world. Bringing our people together worldwide. Controlling our messages, our stories, our way. Black TV the way it should be. Black music, black history, and more. 30-plus channels, thousands of shows black on purpose television network subscribe now
5: hi i'm joel wilson president and ceo of jcw computer consulting llc a technology implementation firm with over 20 years of satisfying customers we offer a full spectrum of industry top-tier branded services we are an authorized partner or reseller for lenovo zoom t-mobile microsoft 365 and surface tablets Google Workspace, Acer, Asus, Samsung, PCmatic security software, and many more. Our online store features laptops, Chromebooks, computers, printers, accessories, and software. Businesses, take advantage of our free one-hour Zoom tech consultation and know we offer top nationwide high-speed internet service providers, voiceover IP, and cellular phone services. Home users, don't miss our current in-stock Chromebook inventory. Please visit us at jcwcc.com or call 215-879-6701.
0: Welcome back to the African History Network show. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Thursday, November 18th, 2021, and we are live. Calling number is 313-778-7600. Is the calling number if you have a question or comment, 313-778-7600. Here's the call in number if you have a question or comment. Okay, so uh, be sure to visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can um, register for the 10 week online course that I teach on Saturdays, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. And we deal with what led to the Civil War taking place, and then uh, each class you go through and analyze approximately a 10 year period of history. And um, we deal with uh, civil war, reconstruction, uh, Jim Crow era, World War One, World War Two, Black Power movement, Great Migration, and civil rights movement. Okay, and uh, we look at the laws and policies put in place to put us in the predicament we're in right now, so we understand where we need to go from here uh, as well. Okay. Uh, that's at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. The class is regularly $130. It's on sale $50. As soon as you register, you can watch the class we just did uh, this past weekend. And even after the 10 week online course is over with, uh, you can still watch the um, full 10 week course. You'll still have access to the full 10 week course. All right. Uh, we'll post a link here. You can register for the class and you can watch from around the world. Okay. Uh, I want to go back to uh the information dealing with uh what happened in court today uh, in the uh, new information dealing with uh the assassination of malcolm x and the two men who were convicted um of his assassination of his murder uh, muhammad A. aziz and khalil islam they were exonerated uh, in court today. Khalil Islam uh, has, um, had passed away a few years ago, but Muhammad Aziz is still alive and was there in court today. Now, I want to go back to these updates here from uh, the New York Times. Let's go back to this here just a second. Okay, and calling numbers 313-778-7600 uh, if you have a question or comment. Okay, so the FBI reports contain the accounts of several witnesses who describe gunmen who do not resemble uh, the two men, who do not resemble uh, the two men, as well as details about agency informants, FBI informants, who were present in the Washington Heights ballroom where Malcolm X was killed. Um. One FBI report from September 28, 1965, okay, so this is after Malcolm was assassinated. One FBI report from September 28, 1965 even contains a description of the man whom some experts on the assassination have concluded was probably the assassin who wielded a shotgun named William William. Bradley okay William Bradley the report gives a description of William Bradley who was 27 years old at the time that matches the one given by a defense witness of the shooter who had a shotgun quote he had been a lieutenant in the Newark Mosque uh, Nation of Islam Mosque and was known as a strong man there in quote the fbi report on mr bradley said quote he was a machine gunner in the marine corps end quote at least one of the witnesses at the trial was an informant for the fbi according to the documents cited in the motion that was filed by the uh... manhattan uh... district attorney's office okay Manhattan City District Attorney's Office. According to the documents cited in the motion, one document stated, one document dated February 25th, 1965, four days after Malcolm was assassinated, said the Bureau had ordered its local offices not to disclose to the New York police the fact that any witnesses were federal informants. One document dated February 25th, 1965, said that the FBI had ordered its local offices not to disclose to the New York police the fact that that any witnesses were federal informants. Now, in addition, several FBI reports indicated that on the orders of the agency's director, J. Edgar Hoover, informants were told not to disclose their relationship with the FBI when talking to the New York police and prosecutors about Malcolm's assassination according to a footnote in the motion filed in court today the police department the police department documents include descriptions of undercover detectives having been present in the Audubon ballroom at least one of whom was there at the time of the murder. The report may be, may be referring to Detective Gene Roberts, an undercover uh, uh, officer who it later came out, was working as a member of Malcolm X's security detail. We also know that Gene Roberts also infiltrated the uh, Black Panther Party for self-defense as well, okay? And there was a... Uh, there was a good article from face to faceafrica.com and I, I, we've talked about I've posted it on our facebook fan page the african history network before and um we we've, we've talked about it on our show before this one here from face to faceafrica.com uh let's pull this up here the little known story of eugene roberts the black nypd secret agent who infiltrated who infiltrated malcolm x's inner security and the black panther party this article is from november 20th 2019 almost exactly two uh almost exactly two years ago the little known story of eugene roberts the black nypd secret agent who infiltrated Malcolm X's inner security and the Black Panther part. This is from face-to-face written by Michael Eli Dakosi November 20th, 2019, almost exactly two years his date. And here's a, here's a picture of uh, Eugene Roberts. And, uh, in one of the documentaries is either, I think it's either the FBI's war on black America or maybe in the second, uh, eyes on the prize series one of them he's interviewed uh a black man who doubled as a detective for the uh, for the police uh for the police force managed to infiltrate the security detail of the organization of afro-american unity okay the oau uh the OAAU founded uh founded by malcolm x and the black panther party two entities for the african cause and worked against its gains Eugene Roberts also called Gene Roberts was close uh, was close by when Malcolm X was killed at the Audubon ballroom on February 21st, 1965. In fact, Eugene Roberts was photographed trying in vain to resuscitate Malcolm X at the assassination. Okay. Now, from my understanding, Eugene Roberts was trying to give him mouth to mouth resuscitation. From my understanding, if you're dealing with somebody with, like, gunshot wounds to the chest, from my understanding, you know, you don't give them mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. But at the same time, I'm not a certified EMT, just like Kyle Rittenhouse is not a certified certified EMT. So what do I know? Um, He was a man known affectionately within the Organization of Afro-American Unity. An organization Malcolm X founded to bridge the gap between Africans on the continent and those in the diaspora as Brother Gene, only to later be confirmed as an undercover agent with the Bureau of Special Services and Investigation, known as Bossy, B O S S I, in the New York City Police Department. Okay, Bureau of Special Services and Investigation. Now, Bossy. Was a super secret political intelligence unit, nicknamed the Squad, and Eugene Roberts infiltrated the OAAU. He managed to become one of Malcolm's chiefs of security, while being an NYPD undercover cop. Two of two two, uh, two of the three men convicted of killing Malcolm X. Norman 3X Butler and Robert and Robert 15X Johnson were almost certainly not at the scene of the crime. Now, this is two years ago. This is, this is November 20th, 2019. This article came out. This was the year before the documentary Who Killed Malcolm X aired on Netflix in February 2020. Okay? And they're saying two of the three men could Convicted of killing Malcolm X, three X Butler and Robert Fifteen X Johnson were almost certainly not at the scene of the crime, and these two men have been exonerated. The evidence points to a confluence of three groups involved in Malcolm X's assassination: institutional forces, NYPD, FBI, CIA, etc. They they say Nation of Islam because we know um the new the Newark New Jersey Mosque. Uh, we know that um, Mujahid Abdul Halim uh, who is also known as, uh, uh, it was one of them from the uh, uh, Newark, New Jersey mosque. Okay, now Mujahid Abdul Halim, who used to be known as Thomas Hare, AKA Thomas Hagen, he admitted to kill, he admitted to shooting Malcolm X, being there and shooting Malcolm X, but he said the other two men we're not there. And, the, and he said the other two men were not involved, the two men who've been exonerated. Okay, read the rest of this piece here from um, face to faceAfrica.com. The little known story of Eugene Roberts, the black NYPD secret agent who infiltrated Malcolm X's inner security and the Black Panther Party. This is from November 20th, 2019. All right, now. Uh, if we go back to this and then we're coming up on a break Another side of the break, we'll give you an update on what happened in another courtroom today, courtroom in, uh, Glen County, Georgia, uh, Brunswick, Georgia, that area. Uh, the report may have been referring to the detective Gene Roberts, an undercover officer who it later came out was working as a member of Malcolm X security detail. Okay. Uh, then they go on to talk about prosecu prosecutor prosecutorial misconduct. The report also describes prosecutorial files that included police reports that would have been helpful to, uh, to Muhammad Aziz and Khalil Islam's defense. Uh, one noted that a witness in the ballroom who knew the accused men well had not seen them there, but had seen other men who were associated with a nation of Islam mosque in Newark, New Jersey. Okay. Uh, the report makes it clear that prosecutors hid the fact that undercover officers were present during the shooting from the defense, a breach of the rules of evidence. We'll deal with this on the other side of the break. Listen to the After History Network show right here on 10 a.m. Superstation, the future radio. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Stand by. Back from break in four minutes. Stand by. All right. Back from breaking four minutes. Okay, uh, be sure to register for the My Saturday online class from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. That class is on sale, $50. It's a 10 week online course. We just posted a link here. It's also at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Stand by, back from breaking four minutes. And then if you like this type of information, you can support the African History Network. Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. Also through PayPal. PayPal.me forward slash the AHN show. PayPal.me forward slash the AHN show. Stand by. All right, back from break in two minutes. back from breaking one minute. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 a.m. Superstation Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M Hotep. All right. Um I want to go to this uh next story here quickly. Uh we're gonna go to clip two. Uh Chiquita, We're gonna go to clip two here dealing with uh what happened in court today in the um Ahmad Arbery murder trial, the Michael uh, Bryan uh, murder trial and the murder of Ahmad Arbery. Okay, so Travis McMichael was on the witness stand for a second day and he was annihilated on the witness stand by the prosecution, uh, lead prosecutor Linda uh, Dunakowski. Um, let's go to, I'm going to go to, uh, clip number two here from NBC nightly news. Travis McMichael testifies for a second date in, in Ahmad Auberry killing. And he testified once again, he testified that Ahmad Arbery never verbally threatened him or pulled a weapon. Let's go to clip two. Uh, no, ma'am. Hey, ba- back it gun. up on the beginning, Chiquita. Back it no, up from the beginning. In Didn't the pl- final day of testimony... Back it up from the beginning. Yeah, go ahead and play it. Not brand All right. Didn't
6: brandish any
3: weapons? Uh,
4: no, ma'am. Didn't
6: pull
1: out any guns? Yeah.
4: Didn't In pl- the final
1: day of testimony, prosecutors spent hours challenging Travis McMichael's claim that Ahmaud Aubrey attacked him. And that he shot and killed Aubrey in self defense back in February of last year. Didn't night? Come in. Never reached for anything, did he? Uh, no. He just ran. Yes, he was just rang. Ms. Michael insisting he and his co defendants had been trying to detain Aubrey until police could arrive. Suspecting he had been involved in an uptick in crime in a neighborhood on edge, at one point he accused Aubrey of attacking the pickup truck driven by defendant William Bryan. Michael testifying, he feared Aubrey would come at him and his father Greg with Michael next. He was acting weird. He was acting funny when I was trying to talk to him prior, so I'm on alert. The prosecution pushed back. So
4: you're telling the jury that a man who had spent five minutes running away from you, you're now thinking. Is somehow going to want to continue to engage with you, someone with a shotgun, and your father, a man who's just said, "Stop all head off" by trying to get in their truck.
3: That's what it shows. Yes, ma'am.
1: Outside the courtroom, <laughs> hundreds gathered to support Aubrey's family, including numerous black pastors. I'm thankful for this family who has a response to a defense attorney's request. To restrict the number of ministers, Aubrey's family can invite to court, singling out two men again this morning.
3: The court is authorized to exclude Reverend Sharpton and Reverend Jackson from the courtroom without a hearing.
1: The judge again refused the request, the release of Aubrey's family.
4: I just want to say thank you to all the pastors who traveled near and far. They're coming just to be with us in this very, very
1: difficult, difficult time.
3: So, Ron, now that both sides have rested their case, what's next?
1: The jurors get a long weekend. They're off tomorrow and back Monday for closing arguments, and perhaps the start of deliberations. All three defendants face charges that include murder and the possibility of life in prison if convicted.
0: Okay. So that is a little bit of what happened uh, in court today. And then also the defense rested uh today as well. NBC Nightly New uh, NBC News uh has this uh article here. Defense rests uh in Ahmad Arbery shooting uh trial as dozens of black pastors uh rally at courthouse. Okay. Defense rests in Ahmad Auberry shooting trial as dozens of black pastors uh rally at uh trial courthouse. Okay, outside the courthouse. They weren't inside. They were outside uh the courthouse. Okay, now I, I posted uh an article here from um ABC News. A B C News had a really good article and it dealt with uh some key points. We are gonna go to clip three from the Black News Channel, Shakita. Just oh hell, we're out of time. Um We'll play we'll play this. Uh, we're going to continue on our, on our social media platforms, uh, our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network and our YouTube channel, Michael and Hotel. But this uh, article here and we'll talk a little bit about Julius Jones We'll give you a quick update what's going on there. We'll talk about this some more on tomorrow's show. Uh, Travis McMichael testifies Ahmad Arbery never verbally, uh, never verbally threatened him or pulled a weapon. This is from uh, ABC News, read this article here. This is some damaging testimony that uh, came out today. He never threatened you at all, prosecutor asked the Aubrey, okay? Now, and okay, let's pause that. Uh, Travis McMichael returned to the witness stand on Thursday and under cross-examination uh, from uh, the prosecutor repeated, that Ahmad Aubery never verbally threatened him or brandished a weapon during the five minutes he and his father and their neighbor chased Ahmad Arbery before Travis McMichael fatally shot him. Prosecutor Linda Dunikowski attempted to undermine the 35-year-old uh, McMichael's uh, credibility by getting him to concede to inconsistencies, getting him to concede to inconsistencies uh, between. What he told police the day of the shooting and what he told the Brunswick, Georgia jury during his direct testimony. OK, during his direct testimony uh, on Wednesday, uh, November 17th. So he started uh, testifying uh, late Wednesday and continued today. Quote, not once in your statement to police did you say that you and your father were trying to arrest Mr. Arbery, because they tried to use uh, the citizens arrest law that dates back to 1863 when Georgia was part of the Confederacy and it was a law targeting fugitive runaway slaves running away from Georgia plantations behind Union lines. They tried to use that as the reason to chase Ahmad Arbery, but they never said to Ahmad, citizens arrest, you're under arrest. And when the police arrived on the scene, they did not say they were trying to effectuate the citizens arrest. So uh, uh, Linda Dunakowski nailed him, picked apart his testimony, once again today on the witness stand. Those watching on Facebook and YouTube, uh, keep watching, we're gonna keep going for a few more minutes. We'll continue this uh, on tomorrow and I'll be on Roller Martin Unfiltered on Friday. And we'll be back Sunday, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Right now, it's correct. It's wrong behavior is not over until we win Wakanda of forever. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. All right, stand by. Okay, let's keep going here. Then I have to get out of here. Um, okay, so uh, Linda Dunachowski, lead prosecutor said not once in your statement to police did you say that you and your father were trying to arrest Mr. Aubrey. And this is what I've been saying, this is what I've been saying that since this trial started, this is what I've been saying each day. That's not what they told police when police arrived on the scene. Linda Donikowski asked after inquiring about the defendant's training on probable calls during his time in the Coast Guard because Travis McMichael uh, uh, took the witness stand on Wednesday and his defense attorney was asking all about all this training he's had in, in, the, in the Coast Guard and police training in the Coast Guard. And he said he had a hand-to-hand combat training and all of this. But then you're the one with all the training. You're the one with the shotgun. You're the one with the hand-to-hand combat training. You're the one chasing Ahmaud Aubrey for five minutes. But you're the one fears for your life and, and, and Ahmaud is unarmed, running away from three white men. Not trying to attack y'all, really. Until you, until you know, he runs into the side of a a truck or something like that, and he, he puts his hands against the truck. But he keeps running away from you all. You're you're the one that feels threatened. You're the one that fears for your life, and you're the one with the gun and all the training and the hand to hand combat. Travis McMichael acknowledged that in none of his statements did he tell the police. That he and his father were attempting to make a citizen's arrest of Ahmad Arbery. He also conceded that he had suspected another individual of stealing his pistol from his truck on January 1st, 2020, and that he had also surmised that he had also surmised that person, not Ahmad Arbery. Was the one responsible for a spike in crime in his Satilla Shores neighborhood near Brunswick, near Brunswick, Georgia? Okay, this is all that t- t- took place on the witness stand today. She she picked a, 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 a prosecutor Linda Dunikowski, goes through and she went through and systematically picked apart Travis McMichael's testimony. Prosecutor Linda Dunikowski grilled Travis McMichael. On why he suspected Ahmad Arbery of burglarizing a home under construction on the day of the killing, writing on a flip chart a series of assumptions and statements in which Travis McMichael said maybe a maybe a neighbor had seen him had seen him in the unfinished home. Maybe he had broken in. Maybe he was running from a crime. Maybe Ahmad Arbery had been caught in the act. Travis McMichael testified that he based his suspicions on a totality of circumstances, including including a brief encounter at the construction site in his neighborhood he had on February 11th, 2020 with a man that turned out to be Ahmad Arbery, whom he thought was armed because he reached into his pants. Because Ahmad Arbery reached into his pants or reached for his waistband or something like that. He thought he may be armed. But you chased him for five minutes. Did he shoot you? If he's running away from you and you're chasing him in a truck and he's armed, don't you think he's going to shoot you? I would. Ma didn't shoot anybody. There's only one person that did any shooting that day, and it's Travis McMichael. Travis McMichael, his 65 year old father, Gregory McMichael, and their neighbor, William Roddy Bryan, 53, have pleaded not guilty to charges of murder aggravated assault and criminal attempt to commit false imprisonment. There was another complaint about Reverend Jesse Jackson today who's sitting there quietly in court. During Travis McMichael's testimony on Thursday, the Reverend Jesse Jackson sat in uh, the courtroom gallery with Ahmaud Albury's parents, raising the latest of several objections from uh, William Bryant's attorney, Kevin Goff, that the presence of prominent African American pastors in the court was an attempt to intimidate the jury. They're just sitting there quietly. He's saying, Oh, they're trying to intimidate the jury. No, they have a right to be there. They're invited by the parents. They have a right to be there. And it's an open courtroom. It's open to the public. Judge Wamsley said he has already ruled twice kevin Golf's motions to bar black ministers from the courtroom finding that they have not been disruptive to the proceedings the only person that's been disruptive is kevin Golf, because he's the one that keeps pointing it out they are just sitting there quietly nobody they're not drawing attention to themselves they're just sitting there quietly kevin Golf is the one that keeps drawing attention to them sitting there quietly like everybody else watching the trial and an apparent reaction to kevin Golf's complaints hundreds of African American pastors held a prayer, held a prayer vigil outside the courthouse on Thursday as the trial was going on. They weren't in the, 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 over 200 pastors were not inside the courthouse. They were outside the courthouse. First amendment, right? Le- legally assembling, uh, having a prayer vigil. Okay. Not breaking any laws, or anything like that. There's a picture of Reverend Jackson with Ahmad's, uh mother and father all right now uh, read this uh article here from we posted this on our facebook fan page the african history network read this article here from abc news travis michael testifies Ahmad iberry never verbally threatened him or pulled a weapon but you but you don't want to fear for your life you're the one with the shotgun you're the one with the hand to hand combat training. You're the one with all this police training that you testified that you had. You're the one in the truck. You're the one chasing the mob. You're the aggressor. But you're the one fears for your life. And he's running away from you and he's unarmed. So if you fear for your life so much, well, why didn't you take your behind back home and leave him alone? He said he, he raised his gun to de-escalate the situation. Well, If you fear for your life so much, why, to de escalate the situation, why don't you just go in the opposite direction and leave them alone? All right, now, I want to go to this clip here. Um, This is from the Black News Channel. This is before they went on recess, I think for lunch today, but this is dealing with some of the testimony that came out today. And then also the prayer vigil that was taking place outside um, uh, of the court, uh, outside of the courthouse today, the prayer vigil with uh, it was it was African-American pastors, but it was pastors of different races and different faiths. They had imams there. They had rabbis. So it was religious leaders. It wasn't just African-American pastors, even though it was a lot of African-American pastors. It was many religious leaders there in support of the family and calling for justice um let me okay let's go to this clip here let me cue this up one second here because we're only on nine ten a.m for an hour and okay i think this is the right clip here so i have to Operate the board myself after the first hour. Standby. Okay, while we cue this up here, uh, African American business owners, post the name of your business here on the thread of the broadcast, and we'll let you know how you can advertise uh, with the African History Network as well. Our current promotion: buy one month, uh, get two months free. Okay, stand by. <laughs> Kwanzaa is coming and the KwanzaaShop.com has all of your Kwanzaa needs. Order your Kwanzaa set today, which includes a Kanara, candles, a mat, a cup, the African American flag, and a basket. Visit the KwanzaaShop.com, the KwanzaaShop.com. They have Kanara sets, which include a candle holder, candles, a mat, and a cup. Kwanzaa is December 26th through January the 1st. Add the Early Bird discount code for 10% off your order placed before November 28th. Visit the KwanzaaShop.com and place your order today. The has all of your Kwanzaa needs to celebrate this African American Pan-African holiday. The KwanzaaShop.com.
2: black on purpose television network yes black on purpose television network all black all positive all the time the largest black on streaming television network in the world bringing our people together worldwide controlling our messages our stories our way black tv the way it should be black music Black History, and more. 30-plus channels, thousands of shows. Black on Purpose Television Network. Subscribe
0: now. Okay, welcome welcome back to the African History Network show. All right, um, African-American business owners, post name your business here on the thread of the broadcast. And then um, email us at show at africanhistorynetwork.com. AHN show at African history dot com and we'll let you know how you can, uh, advertise with the African history network. And we can also create a commercial for you if you don't have one and, uh, your commercial play on our, on when we broadcast our shows and in the audio podcast of our shows. We're on 10 different audio podcast platforms. Okay. So, uh, I want to go to this clip here from the black news channel. Here's an update on what happened, uh, uh, part of what happened uh in court today.
7: Court is in recess for now. They're taking a lunch break, but they're set to resume in about 45 minutes. With that being said, we go to our boots on the ground. Correspondent Drake Clark, he's been following this case from the beginning, and he's in Brunswick right outside that courthouse. Drake.
6: Shani, good afternoon. Yeah, the uh, prosecution just wrapping up their cross examination of Travis McMichael, the man who was seen on video shooting and killing Ahmad Arbery. Yesterday, McMichael appeared very confident on the stand and trying to paint Ahmad Arbery as the aggressor. Today, he looked very unsure, second guessing himself. The prosecution hammered down, continuing to ask him, You know so much about de escalation tactics. You are trained as a law enforcement person in the U.S. Coast Guard and yet you continue to pursue a man that you said by your own words did not have a weapon. In fact, you testify that when you tracked him down and pulled alongside of him, Ahmaud Arbery never said anything, never said anything threatening to you verbally or did anything physically to make you think your life was in danger. And you also had a 12-gauge shotgun in your vehicle. Uh, she said you had every opportunity to turn around and simply wait for the police, and you didn't do that. Let's go back into the courtroom so you can take a listen to what Travis McMichael said, or at least part of what he said under cross-examination.
4: You don't know who stole your gun. There was no probable cause to arrest Mr. Arbery for the theft of your handgun on January 1st, 2020. No, mail. You also didn't know who had stolen the items out of the boat, Mr. Larry English's boat, did you?
5: No, but I had a probability. I was thinking that the probability of who was doing that was the one that continued to go into this house, that has been caught in this house several times, which was Mr. Owen
4: you had no evidence he'd ever taken anything off of Mr. English's boat?
5: Other than that there's been stuff stolen out of that
3: house and that he has been in that in that house several
6: times and so Travis McMichael kept making reference to this February 11th incident when he was driving through the Satilla Shores neighborhood and he saw a black man that he believed to be Ahmaud Arbery and when he confronted him he says that Arbery reached for what he thought was a gun so he presumed when he saw this black man driving through the neighborhood or jogging through the neighborhood on February 23rd, that it was that same person and that he may be armed and dangerous. And that's why he and his father grabbed their guns and started chasing him. But they also admitted they never actually saw Ahmad Arbery steal anything. As a matter of fact, the homeowner of that place where it was still under construction said, yes, we've seen this guy, on surveillance video walking around inside, but he never steals anything. He just kind of walks in and he leaves. So the prosecution was trying to get him to simply say, this was based on assumptions that you guys profiled Ahmaud Arbery, you chased him and then you killed him. And for that, you should be convicted of murder. Ultimately, it's gonna be up to the jury that a group of 11 white men and women and one black man who will have to determine of the guilt or innocence of these three defendants.
7: Most certainly it was a powerful day for the state. Um, I want to ask you about the defense because yet again today if I'm not mistaken for the fifth time several times at least this week raising the question trying to ban black faith leaders from attending court. Uh, Talk to us about the hundred plus faith leaders who were supposed to gather today in response To that initial request to the court that was denied yet again.
6: Well, at this point in time, it's a fool's errand. Kevin Goff continues to stand up in court to raise objection to Reverend Jackson being in the courtroom or Reverend Al Sharpton. And the judge has simply reiterated, I've made my ruling several times now. And I'm not going to change my mind. Uh, But Kevin Goff at this point in time seems to be grandstanding because he knows every time he stands up and makes this point in court, it's going to get a lot of attention. But what is clear is that perhaps the most profound thing and racially insensitive thing he said last week in saying that we don't want any more black pastors coming into this courtroom is what led to what you're seeing behind me today. Hundreds of black pastors from all across the country Men and women driving here, flying here, doing whatever they can to get here to Brunswick, Georgia, to first stand and pray with Ahmad Arbery's family, and then to send a message to Kevin Goff that there is absolutely nothing you can say or do that can stop us from being either here outside the courthouse or being in the courtroom with Ahmad Arbery's family. Make no mistake about it—they're only here because of what Kevin Goff did last week because of what he said last week in trying to get the judge to bar not pastors from the courtroom, but black pastors. Many people took offense to that. They thought it was racially insensitive. And so they came here today with purpose to send a message to him that we are not going to tolerate you telling us where we can go and who we can sit with in the courtroom.
7: And, Dre, right now we see a beautiful sea of brown-skinned men. Uh, but can you talk about the racial uh, makeup of these pastors? Because from what I'm hearing, it's a diverse group that all descended on Brunswick, Georgia, for this very event.
6: It, yeah, it, it is a very diverse group. Uh, there are both black men and women here, along with white men and women. It is cross-denominational here. You have members of the Jewish community who have gathered to stand alongside uh, with these black men and women. Members of the Nation of Islam are here as well. So it really spans the gamut in terms from the from the faith community, all of them coming here together to present one united front, uh, that racism, uh, white supremacy, any of that stuff that, that somehow Kevin Goff thinks is acceptable in the courtroom or for that matter here in Brunswick, Georgia is not acceptable. They're sending the message that the Arbery family has a lot of support, both near and far. And so in just a few minutes from now, they will pray with Ahmad Arbery's family, both his mother and father and other family members. And then later on this afternoon, they will march through the streets of Brunswick as well. It is a uh, pivotal moment without question here in this trial uh, because you had the shooter, Inside testifying about killing Ahmaud Arbery and outside you have this this massive gathering of black men and women uh, who are here today to show their support for the family. Very diverse, very diverse crowd.
7: Yeah, absolutely. And a powerful show of support. Thank you for that report. And we look forward to checking back in with you later on today.
0: Okay, so that that was okay. that was from. Okay, that was from uh, the Black News Channel uh, today. Uh, BNC updates on at Michael's murder trial, okay, from November 18th, 2021. That's um, on the Black News Channel's YouTube channel. Okay, uh, read this article here from hovingtonpost.com. Hundreds of Black pastors gather outside of Ahmaud Auberry murder trial. The gathering is a direct rebuke to uh, defense attorney, Kevin Gow, Kevin Goff, I should say, Kevin Goff, the defense attorney who argued last week that black pastors were intimidating the jury, okay? And he said, uh, we don't need any more black pastors in here. This article's from November 18, 2021. Uh, okay, let's pull that up. Okay, let's continue. Okay, so it goes on, talks about uh, hundreds of black pastors gathered Thursday uh, outside of the Georgia courthouse where the Ahmad Arbery murder trial is being held, congregating in defiance of defense attorney Kevin Goff, who last week argued that the presence of black pastors in the courtroom was intimidating the jury. He's the one that's drawing attention to the black pastors being in the jury, because even the judge said he didn't know Reverend Sharpton. uh, uh, He said he didn't know Reverend Jesse Jackson was there. And uh, I think he said he didn't know Reverend Sharpton was there also, because they were both sitting all the way in the back with the family. So he said, the judge said he didn't know they were there until the defense attorney drew attention to it. We don't want any more black passes in here. Kevin Goff told Judge Timothy Wamsley last Thursday, um, which was uh, November 11th, while arguing to have Reverend Al Sharpton removed from the Brunswick Courthouse, which is a public courthouse, by the way. It's a public courthouse, okay? And Sharpton was invited by Ahmaud Berry's family, just like Jesse Jackson's family, just like uh, Reverend William Barber III was invited by the family. And actually, Reverend William Barber, uh, Reverend William Barber, um wrote an op-ed article for uh the Washington Post dealing with this. And let me try to pull this up. Cause he said my skin color should not prevent me from uh what did he say? My skin color, my skin color should not prevent me from uh, attending the trial of Ahmad Auberry's accused killers, and Reverend William Barber talks about how he was invited by the family to uh, come in, in, and attend the trial. This one right here. Read the, uh, read this piece here, this op-ed that he wrote for uh, the Washington Post.
3: Just a second here.
0: All right. Opinion. My skin color should not prevent me from attending the trial of Ahmaud Iberi's accused killers. This is by Reverend William Barber II. Okay. Reverend William Barber II. Um you can read this full uh you can read this full piece but he says when the Arbery's parents reached out to invite me to attend the trial of the man who chased and killed that, their unarmed son in Brunswick, Georgia, I agreed to come because I am a pastor. I agreed to come because I am a pastor. For 30 years, I have walked and prayed with people in hospitals. And courthouses on picket lines and in jail cells. I pastor a congregation in eastern North Carolina, but I am also also I am also ordained as a bishop to minister among those who hunger and thirst for justice in this world. I joined the Auberry family in Brunswick. Prayed with Ahmad's niece and nephews at the courthouse and joined a multiracial march for justice because this is the work God has called me to do. But after my visit to the courthouse last week, defense attorney Kevin Goff asked Superior Court Judge Timothy Walmsley to bar any more black pastors from, from attending the trial. In an argument, the judge said he found quote unquote, reprehensible. Defense attorney Kevin Goff asserted that the presence in the courtroom of black pastors such as Reverend Al Sharpton could be, quote unquote, intimidating to jurors. Reverend Al Sharpton had been in court with the Auberry family the day before I was there. Defense attorney Kevin Goff, who's William Bryan's defense attorney, subsequently apologized, quote, to anyone who might have inadvertently been offended by his comments. Anyone who might have inadvertently been offended by his comments. But when the Reverend Jesse Jackson attended the trial on Monday, uh, November 15th, Kevin Goff reiterated his objection, emphasizing again his concern about black pastors and ask which pastor is next. Which pastor is
3: next? Now,
0: okay. So he, uh, Reverend William Barber III, goes goes on and explains this here, and he said when Kevin Gow argued the presence of black pastors is intimidating. He said his words suggested that blackness itself is a threat. When defense attorney Kevin Goff argued that the present pastors is intimidating. His words suggested that blackness itself is a threat. This is telling because to me, it seems that the three men on trial found Ahmad Arbery's Blackness intimidating as well. This is telling because to me it seems that the three men on trial found Ahmad Ar- Arbery's blackness intimidating as well. Though Ahmad Arbery was an unarmed, unarmed jogger, these men say they assumed he was engaged in in criminal activity and pursued him with weapons. They assumed he was engaged in criminal activity and pursued him with weapons. One of the men recorded the group pursuing Ahmad Arbery and one of them fatally shooting uh, the young black man. Okay. um, So Reverend William Barber goes on to say abolitionists who insisted on the full humanity of black people were seen as intimidating and disruptive to the social order. White or black, they were often portrayed as dangerous radicals while those who accepted slavery were seen as reasonable defenders of the social order. Because abolitionists, many, being an abolitionist was dangerous, okay? Being an abolitionist was, very, very, was dangerous. Most of the abolitionists, majority of them are going to be in the North, even though, you, even though you have smaller number in the South. But being an abolitionist was dangerous, one. Two, um, abolitionists were persecuted. Abolitionists who insisted on the full humanity of black people were seen as intimidating and and disruptive to the social order. White or black, they were often portrayed as dangerous radicals. While those who accepted slavery were seen as reasonable defenders of the social order. Though slavery is in our past, the racial order it created is not though slavery is in our past the racial order that slavery created is not read the rest of this uh op-ed from Reverend, reverend william Barber ii my skin color should not prevent me from attending the trial of ahmaud arbery's accused killers this is from the washington post from um, November seventeenth, twenty twenty-one, Wednesday, November seventeenth, twenty twenty-one. All right, now uh, let's see. Okay, very quickly, we'll talk about uh, Julius Jones, and be sure to register for the online courses I teach on Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, we have the information at our website, African.
3: To the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power,
0: 1865 to 1968. Hold on. From the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. Uh, it's a 10 week online course. Do a PowerPoint presentation of book references, articles, video clips, etc. And then uh, that's 12 noon to 2 p.m. on Saturdays. Uh, it's on sale, $50, regularly $130. Click right here to register here. It takes you to the next page and click on enroll. As soon as you enroll, you can start watching the content. You can watch uh, last Saturday's class. Uh, and then the second, uh, and then you'll be ready for a class this weekend. Uh, the other class that I teach is Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, where they didn't teach you in school. In this class, we deal with thousands of years of history and what led up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. And it's a 10-week online course also, and we deal with book references, articles, video clips. Um, It's a fantastic class, and we deal with ancient Africa. We deal with the 800-year occupation of Europe by the Africans known as the Moors. Um, And we deal with what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. So we do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded. You can go back and watch them anytime. This one here we do on Sundays, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This class is regular $130 on sale, $60. So that's at africanhistorynetwork.com. All right, now, uh, Julius Jones. So I posted about this today, and we got the news that his life is, is uh, spared. He's being taken off a death row, which is good, but it is uh, without the possibility of parole, which doesn't make sense, which even goes against the recommendations of the parole board. Okay. So this is uh, what Governor Kevin Stitt did today. And I want to go to, let's see. So we have. I posted this article here from uh, USA Today, and where is that article here? And I, I, I said um, first of all, I said no parole. That doesn't make sense. And this is an example of how elections have consequences because the governor can take somebody off a death row, but the governor can also uh, commute a sentence and release somebody from prison. The governor can give a pardon.
3: So let's look at this here. Um, All right, now this is from USA Today.
0: Oklahoma inmate Julius Jones won't be executed after Governor Grant's clemency reduces sentence. Now uh, I'm gonna show you what I posted on Facebook today. Uh, let's look at what I posted on Facebook today here. Just a second. Uh, let me find that post here. Which one is that? Okay. So I did two posts. Let's look at this one here. This was the article. Um, This was the article from USA Today. All right, so here's what I've posted. Uh, So this is the article from USA Today. Oklahoma inmate Julius Jones won't be executed after Governor Grant's clemency reduces sentence. Okay, so I said no parole. I said no parole. This is an example of how important electing the right governor is. And you know what? I think we can. Uh, we can do. I think is can we just show the actual? Okay, whatever. Julius Jones should. I said Julius Jones should be able to apply for parole from prison. Governor Kevin Stitt, a Republican, needs to be voted out of office. Justice for Julius. See so
3: we can blow this up some
0: more. Uh, now, Governor Kevin Stitt said today, after prayerful consideration and reviewing. Uh, materials presented by all sides of this case, I have determined to commute Julius Jones' sentence to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole, Governor Kevin Stitt said in the statement. As a condition of granting clemency, Governor Kevin Stitt ordered that Julius Jones shall never be eligible to apply for or be considered for a commutation pardon or parole for the rest of his life how mighty white of you as a condition of granting clemency governor kevin stitt of oklahoma who is a republican and it's believed he wants to run for president also ordered that Julius Jones shall never be eligible to apply for or be considered for a commutation, pardon, or parole for the rest of his life. Governor Kevin Stitt's decision veers slightly from the pardon and parole board's recommendation to reduce Julius Jones' sentence to life in prison with the possibility of parole now this is the parole board there in oklahoma and the governor has put a lot of those people on the parole board who made this recommendation under that scenario julius jones would have immediately been eligible for parole on his murder conviction All right now.
3: Uh I want to go to this clip here from uh, I want to go to this clip from, from NBC
0: Nightly News. We'll go to this quickly here. And then also you can read this um read the article from USA Today. We also posted one from NBC News as well. Oklahoma inmate Julius Jones won't be executed after Governor Grant's clemency reduces sentence. Following a recommendation from the Oklahoma pardon and parole board, Governor Kevin Stitt on Thursday Granted clemency to Jones, reducing the inmate's sentence to life in prison without a possibility of parole. Okay, so uh, the governor's decision means that Jones, uh, Julius Jones, execution set for Thursday afternoon is canceled. The clemency marks a partial win for a diverse group of activists and supporters who have proclaimed the inmate was wrongfully convicted. In the 1999 fatal shooting of insurance executive Paul Howell during a carjacking. All right, uh, let me cue this up here from NBC Nightly News. Let me cue this clip up just a second here. Okay, so this is Malaberry. This is Julius Jones. Clip, clip number three. All right, we'll let that queue up. Now, jurors chose the death penalty as a punishment at a 2020 at a at a 2002 trial, at a 2002 trial, and Julius Jones has spent nearly 20 years on death row. Julius Jones' attorney praised the governor for blocking the execution, but said she had hoped Governor Kevin Stitt would have granted her client the option of parole. Quote, Governor Governor Stitt took an important step toward, uh, took an important step today towards restoring public faith in the criminal justice system by ensuring that Oklahoma does not execute an innocent man End quote attorney, Amanda Bass said in a statement. Now he'll probably run for reelection and tell black people what a good thing he did saving Julius Jones life. And you should reelect me as your governor. Uh, let's go to this clip here from NBC news. This is the right one,
8: okay. Celebrations across Oklahoma erupted as news of the 11th hour clemency spread from the Capitol to college campuses relief after the governor's decision narrowly spared the life of death row inmate Julius Jones. After prayerful consideration, writes the governor, I have determined to commute Julius Jones sentence to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole.
7: He's an innocent man, doesn't deserve another day in prison, but to know that he's going to live, where there's
8: life, there's always hope. With Jones just hours away from lethal injection, he always maintained his innocence in the 1999 carjacking that ended with Paul Howe being gunned down in front of his family. I was not involved
3: in the planning of this robbery. I was not present during this robbery.
8: Convincing a pardon and parole board to grant him clemency, Jones' legal team says his friend who testified against him, Christopher Jordan, was likely the real killer and the man who planted the murder weapon inside Jones' home, which Jordan denies. People could see very clearly that the trial was a sham and that this is not what they want justice to look like in America. And Julius himself is a compelling character, a promising young man who was arrested for a crime at 19 years old. Amid a wave of grassroots protests, walkouts, and rallies, celebrities, athletes, and politicians showed their support, along with 7 million who signed a petition to prevent Jones' execution. But it's not only the prosecution who says there's overwhelming evidence Jones is guilty. So does the victim's family.
4: I am here to warn you. He is not innocent. Would you have this man over to your house with your family around your children?
8: Tonight, 22 years after a life was lost, another was narrowly spared. Miguel Almaguer,
3: NBC News.
0: Okay. All right. So that was from today. Uh, NBC Nightly News. Uh, Read this article here from USA Today. Oklahoma inmate Julius Jones. Won't be executed after Governor Grants Clemency reduces uh, sentence. All right. Uh, okay. If you like this type of information, also you can support the African History Network. Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. And then through PayPal. PayPal.me forward slash the AHN show. This is our official cash app account, dollar sign, the A-H-N show, S-H-O-W. And when you go to it, it, is, it is, this is our cash app tag, dollar sign, the A-H-N show, S-H-O-W. It is say Michael and show my picture there. These other ones here are fake African History Network cash app accounts. So it's not us. Uh, so don't donate to them. And we also have the information at our website, African History dot click on, click on the yellow donate button. We're here six days a week. So this helps us keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting. Uh, let's see here. All right. So I'll be on Roland Martin Unfiltered on Friday. Usually a panelist on Friday. We'll talk about that some as well. we'll uh, and we're here Sunday, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're on Sundays of two hours. The African History Network Show. Uh, if you want me to do a presentation for your group or organization, email me at AHN Show at African History Network.com. AHN Show at African History Network.com. is uh, coming up. Dr. King Day, African American History Month. Uh, if you want me to do a presentation in person, out of state, in Detroit, out of state, virtually, email me, AHN Show at African History Network.com. And then the online classes that I teach, if you want me to do those classes in person or virtually for your group or organization, email me as well. All right, we have to get out of here. Remember, the African History Network to focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world, because right now it's correct, wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. We'll count it forever. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Kwanzaa is coming, and the thekwanzaashop.com has all of your Kwanzaa needs. Order your Kwanzaa set today, which includes a Kanara, candles, a mat, a cup, the African-American flag, and a basket. Visit thekwanzaashop.com, thekwanzaashop.com. They have Kanara sets, which include a candle holder, candles, a mat, and a cup. Kwanzaa is December 26th through January 1st. Add the early bird discount code for 10% off your order placed before November 28th. Visit the kwanzashop.com and place your order today. kwanzashop.com has all of your Kwanzaa needs to celebrate this African-American, Pan-African holiday. kwanzashop.com Black on Purpose
2: Television Network yes black on purpose television network all black all positive all the time the largest black on streaming television network in the world bringing our people together worldwide controlling our messages our stories, our way black tv the way it should be black music black history and more 30 plus channels, thousands of shows, Black on Purpose Television Network. Subscribe now.
0: All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace.
2: Gain knowledge in minutes from insightful summaries of progressive and socially conscious books. Blacklisted gives you access to curated content
7: that'll satisfy your curiosity to learn and understand different perspectives. Empower yourself. Through inspirational and actionable ideas,
2: it's easy to read or listen to on the go. Blacklisted. Empower yourself. Start your free trial today.
5: Hi, I'm Joel Wilson, President and CEO of JCW Computer Consulting LLC, a technology implementation firm with over 20 years of satisfying customers we offer a full spectrum of industry top tier branded services we are an authorized partner or reseller for Lenovo, Zoom, T-Mobile Microsoft 365 and Surface tablets Google Workspace, Acer, Asus, Samsung, Matic security software and many more our online store features laptops, Chromebooks, computers, printers, accessories and software businesses Take advantage of our free one-hour Zoom tech consultation and know we offer top nationwide high-speed Internet service providers, voice over IP, and cellular phone services. Home users, don't miss our current in-stock Chromebook inventory. Please visit us at
3: jcwcc.com or call 215-879-6701.